Hello and welcome to Off the Bench, a podcast about women in sport, which we hope will educate and entertain people of all, sports fans, I suppose, of all genders and ages. Um, we're pretty excited today because we've been threatening on Off the Bench to talk about coaching for a while. And we have two people here today to talk about coaching. And we've come from a, co- a women in coaching conference, which has, very, has us very excited. So on my left, first of all, is Suzanne McGuire. And Suzanne is not only a former Irish international of long renown, <laughs> And also a club coach still and very involved uh, with Liffey Celtic um, in Selbridge, isn't it? But also in the Leaflip. Leaflip. But also um, she's a member of the Elite Performance Committee of Basketball Ireland. And that is a really important position for women to have. There's two women on that. And beside her is Michelle Carpenter from Irish Rowing, the CEO and the first female CEO of Irish Rowing. Um, And both of your sports have new initiatives and have past initiatives about women in coaching that we want to talk to. So first of all, Welcome to Off the Bench. Thank you. It's, it's great to have you here. And we didn't plan on you being colour coordinator. <laughs> no, we weren't impressed by that. We really weren't expecting that. We don't have a colour dress code in here whatsoever. Um, Let's talk first of all about uh, Michelle Carpenter. Was you were part of a panel today um, that had a very interesting discussion. Liberty Insurance, who are the sponsors of Irish Camogie, um, every year now for the last three or four years, and this is one of the great developments with sponsors where they have money and they can do things. They have done some research and they've also held a small symposium on women's sport. And the one today was on women in coaching because this is an area that they felt was an area that now needs needs some direction. So tell us a little bit about what happened today and what you took from it. First of all, Michelle. Um, so I was on the first panel um, and we were discussing coaching and um, the, the lack of women coaches in, in Ireland um, and what we could do, what was needed to be done around that. So we all gave our personal experiences on it. Um, I guess from my own background, I brought it right back and uh, with Joanna Cantwell, who, who hosted today, yeah. brought us right back to... You know, when I started rowing 30 odd years ago um, in Shannon Rowing Club in Limerick, we weren't allowed to row because we were women. That's extraordinary. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. Only 30 years ago. Only 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. So and a lot of people find that hard to believe, even a lot of people in rowing, because there were clubs that always accepted women. But you had a lot of clubs that were gentlemen's clubs that, you know, struggled to bring women on board. And, uh, you know, I recounted the story today um, of, and I only heard this in, in, in the last four years, actually, because when I joined Shannon, I would have only been, you know, 14, 15. Yeah, you were a teenager. Um, and it was brought to the committee of Shannon Rowing Club, you know, would, would they have women in the club? And one member of the committee stood up and said, well, we couldn't. They'd be carrying on behind the curtains with the men. And another member, oh, another <laughs> member said, well, I think we should take those curtains down now, Joe. So... Well done. You yeah. know, and that was a man. And that was a man. Well. And that's so important, really. Yeah. It's, it, it was men. It was all men on that committee that time. So yeah. it was men that had the foresight to see we can be a better club by having women involved. And uh, I, think, I think we need to look back and say, OK, we've taken the curtains down. We've come an awful long way. We've, you know, huge gender equality in sport on our boards, on our organisations, you know, generally in sport, but there's an awful long way to go. And interesting, like I would always imagine rowing to have been, you know, to be an equal and gender equal. I never would have thought of a men's only rowing club. I didn't even know they existed, but they did exist. They yeah. did, and women only rowed in the Olympics in 1976. That recently, yeah. That's, there's some great, and they only rowed a thousand metres because they thought they couldn't handle it. Yeah. I mean, women who have give birth to how many babies and they and, thought and, they couldn't and, handle well, I think I think basketball was quite similar. They only played in the half court. They only played they in the half court. court. They only allowed them to play in the half court when they started. Probably the same reason because they couldn't go up and down the floor. Like, you know. <laughs> it seems extraordinary. Doesn't that seem yeah. extraordinary yeah. now? Yeah. And, and track and field was the same. In the Olympics, the women weren't allowed in, and initially only allowed in, and, and um, marathons weren't allowed in until very, very, you know, the last 20 or 30 years. So, like, it is hard to believe that, but that's what existed. We should say, when, when you were on that panel this morning, there were two panels in this uh, Liberty Insurance event, and the first one was about firsts in Irish women's sports. So, there were four of you. With the three or four of you, three of you, I think, in the first one, and you were first. Um, yourself as the first female CEO in Irish rowing, Tanya Rosser as the first woman to coach a men's 
senior rugby team in Ireland. She's involved in Clontarf, and I was amazed to discover how high up how, how, how up she's operating in terms of I didn't know that anybody had broken through that barrier. She is the head coach for their second men's team, and she is the skills coach and one of three three on their senior men's management team. That's some achievement. Yeah. She has the she has the grade four rugby coaching. She said to me, "The next one up is Joe Smith." I'm just not at that level yet. So that's pretty amazing. And then the other first on the panel was, am I right in thinking that was the other first then was Lisa Fallon who we interviewed on this uh, podcast about two years ago before everybody started talking about her and her amazing role in men's football, men's soccer. And she um, this year now is the first woman to coach in the League of Ireland, to coach a League of of Ireland team. She's the coach of the first uh, team in Cork City. And she's also, as we, we spoke with her before, She's a, she was a senior analyst for the Northern Ireland men's team. She's very involved at that level as well. So there's that. Um, uh, that was one of the things today. And then uh, the second thing to Suzanne today then was we had two people over from England. Yeah. And two women who were extraordinary women. Um, Emma Hayes is Chelsea women's coach and she is just a ball of energy. I'm still buzzing after listening to her. She <laughs> was fantastic. And then also Tracy Neville. Um, interestingly because I always think people basketball and netball and they look at them and they compare them senior coach of the of the uh, the netball team in England uh, who won the Commonwealth Games team and one of the things she said was she is still always referred to as sister of the two brothers who play for Man United even though she's led the English team to Commonwealth gold and netball that's what she gets which is very interesting Um, in terms of uh, statistics and we had a quick look at them um, was there anything that jumped out at G uh, like they brought up statistics on coaching and I suppose the big one was for me was that there are so few females coaching uh, women's teams that it's that it's way more men coaching women's team than coaching men's team did anything jump out at G? Um, well, I was surprised. We were just discussing it there about the regular participation in sport among females under 25. I'm surprised it's as low yeah. as 11%, particularly um, from my background with the Get Going, Get Rowing programme yeah, where we have engaged 30,000 individual uh, girls. In, in schools? In sco- well, I think it's 85,000 over the last four, five years. Wow. We celebrated our fifth birthday recently. But I mean, basketball is a huge, huge sport in schools. Yeah. It's yeah. 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 And in clubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, you can see it within the, the like this, this past week or there was the All-Ireland the the all all Schools League. League. Like, you Finals. know, like... Hundreds and hundreds of kids out there. Like I mean, and I know from just people who are who are coaching and and running schools basketball and, and school sports. Like yeah, it's just I mean, it's one of the statistics else. in this was regular regular participation in sport among females under twenty five. Um, they said it was 11% in Ireland and I just don't think that's right. I, I, do, I mean, what do they mean by regular? Are they saying three or four times a week or something? I just didn't, I didn't think that. But in relation to the coaching, um, what they found was, I think, was that um, there was only something like roughly was it 20% or around that mark um, of in club, at club level, they were that le- that it's that level low of women coaching women's teams. In other words, three quarters of women's club teams are coached are, by men, um, and that seems an extraordinary statistic. And I just wondered, in basketball, is that would that be reflected? And then how is it at the elite level in basketball? Yeah, I suppose that's. I mean, I, I think what we what we come to know is that there's a, a massive amount being done at very grassroots level, yeah. like in schools, which makes me believe there's a lot more, certainly a lot more females coaching and a lot more participation, um, within the, certainly in the primary and secondary schools level. But and I think this is reflective probably across the board, maybe all sports, that you know there's a, a whole amount of them there, our problems, we need to reach them. But the higher up and the higher the stakes become and the more prolific the teams become, and certainly from us, from the EPC's perspective, uh, this began by a look at international Irish teams and a lot of reaction to why don't you have females in your academy structure that you just announced? Why don't you have females at the international level at head coach position? Yeah. And it was like, why, why, why? And the answer was, nobody applied. Yeah. Like, so I saw today that, you know, one of the stats I think that, that I read was 40% believe females should be interviewed but they can only be interviewed if they if apply. If they apply, yeah. I saw that statistic you know, as well. And that, that was one of the things that got us 
I was asking the question as to why why don't we have more females? We know we have female coaches. We know we have very good female coaches. The ones that are very prolific, we know there's a whole underbelly of, of females who are coaching. Yeah. We need to reach those. We need to elevate their yeah. their aspirations and their wants, let's say, to, to coach. Uh, I don't remember seeing a woman ever coaching the Irish Senior Women's Basketball Team. Am I, do you have any recollection of it? Uh, Maeve Coleman did. Oh, Maeve Coleman did. Maeve did, yeah. She's the only yeah. one. She She's probably is, is the, the only, only one that one. I remember yeah. now. Yeah. I suppose I'm going back to the 90s and late 80s. Yeah, that I remember. You're right. Yeah. And what about um, uh, national league teams? Uh, women's national league. So teams? On, on on the on the teams that we have, like, so I have it here. It's, uh, I come somewhat prepared with all my little cue cards and said, <laughs> like, right. you know, which ones we have? Like, um, there are a few, but is there? I wasn't sure. Well, I suppose, well, 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 yeah. What's great about this year is that it's just a level of teams at Super League and National League levels. But men's and women's, I mean, the participation is huge. Yeah. There's so many teams there now. Yeah. I think you know we are one of the sports that has a 50-50, you know, mm. uh, in terms of numbers of, of participation. Right. Like, you know, but coaching wise, so in women's super league, we, we have three female assistants. Assistant coaches. No heads. No head. Right. So I know that Gillian Hayes, Hayes, former international, uh, former international, uh, Neve Dwyer is doing a father Matthews. Oh, is she? And Mary Bowler, who was Mary Coyne, Mary Coyne, yeah, former is with Liffey Celtics this year. Right. And at Women's National League, there's two female head coaches. Yeah, that's the next division down. So we have Breda Dick up north. Oh yeah, another. And another Joan Black story. is at Swords. In Swords. Yeah. So two two women heading up their teams, and in this in the second division and in the top division, three oh, assistant coaches, assist, assistant and coaches. actually. That's probably a bit of a growth in the last few years, is it? Or is um, it roughly the same? I, I, I'd say, if anything, it's been like Gillian was head coach for maybe last year, so yeah. it's been in and out, but she does an awful lot of Wildcats anyway, right. so I can see why right. she's been in and out and, and two kids on the international team. So, But it's just it, it's just not reflective of... of of the Eight numbers and, the numbers and, like, and if yeah. you watch the Irish schools and the cups have been on and then as you said the league finals were on recently you see lots of women coaching teams and even women coaching boys teams to oh, win absolutely. all Ireland. Oh absolutely, Mary Maguire was texting me the whole time with the schools going three out of four today boys and girls teams female coaches female winners you see you know yeah. so lots at that. that's why we know there's, there's, there's lots and maybe it's just you know, geographically, we have to be able to reach them. And these are some of the stuff that we explore yeah, in the Women's yeah. Coaching Forum. Yes, yeah, so how we'll talk we about that because you've been looking at how you might be able to do that. Yeah. The rowing strikes me as is, is interesting as well. And, and we've just been watching the track and field, actually, from um, the weekend. Um, and uh, I, you, if you, even if you watch athletics, indoor athletics at the weekend, how many athletes did you see going over to a female coach? Hardly any. Yeah. At, at our very, very elite level, uh, Thomas Barr's coach is female. Um, but I don't, I don't no, nobody else obvious jumps out to me. Um, Hayley Harrison, Terry Cal um, uh, with their husband, coach Dervla O'Rourke. Very few female even coming through in track and field. Again, a sport that, like yours, has both. Yeah. Um, competes, you know, side by side sometimes. What about rowing? Because I see, you see female, um, uh, what do you call it? Coxes. Yeah. But yeah. how many how many female coaches do you see? Oh, look, we're, we're exactly the same problems. Exactly. We have loads at junior and schools level. Really? But we have none at high performance level. Right. Uh, last year we had one or two helping us... Um, at the Coupe de la Jeunesse, which would be our kind of underworld championship That's event. That's the big kind of underage world championship. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like the European Cup, yeah. but we don't invite the Germans because if we did, they'd win everything. So we would have had some, but there's there, uh, coaches aren't taking that leap. And we've done a lot of women in coaching stuff over the last four years to see why not. Right. And um, I think it goes back to that job spec. You know, can I do it? I can't. I can do nine out of the ten things. Feed that female mentality. Yeah, that female mentality. Ten, that female yeah. mentality. I'm. Yeah. I'm not ready for this because I can't do all ten things. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas, I mean, whereas the males is if I can do one of ten, I'm. I'm. I'm I'll, in. I'll have a yeah, lash. I, I'll have a lash. And when it, yeah. we bring yeah. the rowing machines into schools, into a mixed school, for example, the boys will get on the machine and they'll pull the living daylights out of it. The girls will go, "Am I doing this right? Am yeah. I rocking yeah. over? Or am I?" And 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 it's exactly the same. And I think. That's why our TY program, hopefully, is going to work very well. So we have a TY program where we bring rowing. Transition year. Yeah, transition yeah. year, sorry. Um, called Try Rowing, where we coach the TY students, the transition year students, to be indoor rowing coaches. Ah. So it's a peer-led leadership right. program. But we also do it for our rowers. And now we're finding those 
16, 17, who are now, who did it, whatever, four or five years ago, are now coaching on the bank and it's giving them the confidence. And we've had one or two recently that have been injured or couldn't continue to row with their club. Yeah. yeah. And they're going and they have that confidence. And they're coaching. And it's yeah, all about yeah. you can do it, you know. Yeah. 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 And we and we heard the women talk about this uh, this morning and, and just about how important confidence confidence is because if you get those early knocks, um for some reason, women's confidence gets knocked earlier. And also, Emma Hayes makes a really good point. I've heard her talk about it before. What she's saying is male coaches are given a longer rope. If you fail as a male coach, you will be allowed to fail again. But if you fail as a female coach, she, her experience was, and particularly she worked in the U.S. collegiate system um, and, you, and, and coached in America. Okay. You never get a job again. If you if you make a mistake as a woman, it's hopped on straight away, and you rarely get a chance to get back in, which I thought was really interesting. You went to college in America. I did, yeah. yeah. And and Suzanne, tell us a little bit about were you coached by women? Were you, were you coached by women? Um, Where did I you was, go to college? I went to college at Fordham University, Fordham University in, yeah. in New York. Yeah. I was recruited by a female coach. Were you? Um, but when I got there, she had returned back to a previous job at Dartmouth. So the assistant coach, uh, which wouldn't probably happen today. Because they would, they would go out and they'd and find, the, before they find the right coach or they usually have a pipeline now of who they, who they want to bring in. But they just kind of transitioned into brought the assistant coach and let him become the head coach. Right. Now in saying that, he always did have female assistant coaches. Right. So I was always kind of surrounded by... You were by, used to both. Used to both. Like, you know, and, and over there, I suppose, the head coach becomes, you know, the, the assistant coach becomes the one that's more relevant, almost the one that you talk to more, the one that you actually connect with the head coach becomes this figure of... Very often their management, aren't they? Yeah, and they are. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a full-time it's a job, full-time so it has all its pressures job. and has all its, its, its yeah. KPIs and all that kind of stuff yeah, that people exactly. have to hit, like, yeah. you know, but always had very, very successful female um, That's interesting. Either recent players or, or in, in the coaching world. So was surrounded by that. And, and I suppose my younger age too, which is quite surprising, I had all female coaches. All. Where? So from, from my school days in St. Mark's in Tala, where I, I, I started playing, playing basketball, other than a teacher, uh, the club that I started playing with had a female coach. I then went to Talk Rovers, where Celine Byrne was Celine my Byrne. coach. Yeah. Um, and very. Um, Progressive, you know, I was six foot tall and she refused just to let me be someone who played a certain position. Yeah, didn't I had stick to play off. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was that was a reason why I was able to go to the States at six foot and be a shooter. She Whereas anyone else would have been yeah. just a rebounder or something yeah, like that. Sticking under, you know, under the boards, exactly. So she was creative. Coach. She was creative like that, you know. Mm. Um, another option I, I could have gone to, to, to play before going to Talc Rovers was a female coach. Like So just was, it just seemed to be everywhere. I mean, always, always there. And never was a doubt for me. Could I ever coach? Because I, I saw yeah, them everywhere saw I turned. It. Yeah, and you this know. was this was the debate that people were talking about today again, and it does come back to the can't be, can't see. When when Emma Hayes, um, who as I said led Chelsea to a double a few years ago, when she was heavily pregnant, she had her baby ten days later after the cup final. Um, she was when she went into the Super League. She was the only woman coaching in the women's Super League soccer in England, which is interesting. Yeah. Now, six years later, there's five or six of them, and she was very interesting today. She said, I, "I'm very, very reluctant about this word role model. She doesn't like it." And she was saying, "They describe my male compatriots as, you know, technical genius and you know, really strategically brilliant, but I'm always oh, good with people, or a nurturer, and a role model." And she said she kind of fought that notion of role model for a very long time. And now she looks at the league and she sees that there's a handful or more of women's uh, coaches and she goes, maybe I am a role model and maybe I have to accept that. And if I contributed to that, well, then that's going to be my next role is to see how many more women we can get in. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, wasn't it, Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there was one club in Limerick when I started to row um, um, that accepted women and uh, that coach was a female coach, ironically, going way, way back. But it was the other side of the city, so that's why I moved to the... Right, the, yeah. I tried to break down the doors. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you did. And pull down the curtains at the same yeah. time. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, it was ironic back then, back in 1986-87, that there was somebody... You know, there were women coaching then, yeah. even though there was so inequality in the sport. Yeah. But yeah, role models are very important. And I spoke today about, um, you know, the International Olympic Committee, the Women in, in Leadership Forum that I was sent on by World Rowing. And, and that for me was a turning point. And um, it was great to see other women 
doing the same sort of thing, struggling with the same sort of thing, yeah. trying to progress with the same sort of thing. And over the last few years as well, we've had Larissa Biesenthal over, who's a twice Olympic medalist and a three times Olympic coach. Um, from where? From Canada. Right. And she's incredible. And she has come to Ireland? She came to Ireland. The first time she came, she was going to a world rowing thing in Seville. I had rang her and said, look, you know, can we do a Skype thing in the middle of the seminar? And she was like, you know, why don't I ask World Rowing? Can I just stop over in Ireland? <laughs> so they, they and again, the, the World Rowing are very supportive. So she stopped over the first year and then we got a tiny bit of funding the next year and then the next year after that. So we were able to, to continue it on. And actually those um, women who did the first year of that Women in, women in Coaching Forum, a lot of them are coaching now. They are coaching. They are. So sometimes you've got to set up a course and nurture yeah. people and give them the skills yeah. or the confidence that they think. Ha Basketball Ireland, I, I was really curious about this, Suzanne. At this year's cup finals, yes. you, had a, you held a seminar earlier in the morning before yes. the women's final. Yes. So tell me about what, what, what was that involving? Um, well, it start, I suppose it started like what we talked about with the problem statement of We've international teams, they've now gone into three-year appointments for uh, international head coaches, you know, and it was no, no applicants. There's no, ap no applicants no from applicants, women. No right. applicants. Okay. No one turned up even on a day to, to interview. Like so. so, and then I suppose it, it, it kind of progressed beyond that and I suppose opened up more questions about the, the, the level of visibility of females in coaching, where are they, we're looking at our national league teams, you know, again, looking at the top of the pyramid and going down and saying from the high profile all the way down, where, where are we starting to see them like, you know, so we yeah. kind of say that, you know, the, the thing for me when, when looking at, at this is, is we brought together a panel and it was really, really good on the day, the panel that we got. So we got the likes of Maeve, you know, uh, who is and has been, a fe you know, an international coach yeah. who has that experience. We had the youth with Erin Bracken, who does an awful lot of coaching. I mean, she's in her early 20s and probably has more she's, years under the belt than I do. She's still, playing, she's still, she's still playing, playing with Liffey Celtic? No, no, she's playing up north actually oh, this right. year because ah. she's doing a Masters. Ah. But she's coaching in Liffey. Ah. Uh, I brought Carmel uh, Kilmartin on, onto it too. So Carmel's got 30 years of coaching, mostly boys, and is assistant coach to Mike Lynch on, on, on the under 20 boys team this right. year. Um, oh, interesting, right. Then we had Deirdre Brennan, who yeah. represented. You know, so Deirdre, again, as far as I can go back, is the first person I remember a female coaching a men's team and did so up at Sporting in Belfast. Sporting Belfast. Ba you know, back, back yeah, in the day. Yeah, or, or and she has two daughters playing international basketball yeah, now three. as well. Three. Oh, sorry, well, two. two sorry, two, and Anna's yeah, over in, two, in the yeah, States. Yeah, and then we had Red Miller Turner from FIBA. So Red Miller's so been... Somebody yeah, came so from came the from International FIBA. Federation. Yeah, which was great. So uh, Red Miller had been, been over here before some of the international programmes and kind of was, was the face of the timeout programme that FIBA ran quite recently, which was to help the transition of their professional athletes into kind of everyday living yeah, and jobs and yeah, whatever else back, like yeah. you know so that was it and really what it was it was, it was very much a, a questioning it was very much a why you know yeah. where are the women you know what, what's why, the barriers why, and why, why are they aren't not progressing we, yeah. from we'll say juvenile level to senior level and, and, and you know like I mean the, the main stuff that, and none of it's a surprise you know yeah. really it's not like you know so, so some of the key things were you know, obviously there's a need for, for a, a very strategic approach to this to address the problem and that needs that you know, it seems to be, it has to come top down. So, I mean, you would obviously know that too. Like, you know, you have to go to the very top and say it has to disseminate, you know, all the way down for really to get any kind of traction. They need to, you know, but mentoring was so prominent. Yeah. So prominent, like, you know. And what do you mean by mentoring, Suzanne? What you know, I suppose for, for, for me, it, you know, you look at, we've we've so many, you know, coaching courses now. We have accreditation for, for level one, level two, level three coaching courses, you know. Um, but what happens is you go into those environments, you, you participate, whether it's a day thing, a weekend thing, or maybe, you know, the level two is more of a year-long thing. And then you leave. Right. And then you go off back to wherever it is you're coaching and kind of left to your own devices. So the idea of, well, you know, it was mentoring, it was network, it was... How do I get in touch with people to say, this is what happened in the game. They did the right thing or the wrong thing. This is a problem that I'm having with a kid or with a pair. Or, you know, so, so literally all somebody, somebody that you can, can bounce ideas yeah. off. Absolutely, that you yeah. can speak to. So mentoring, right. network, associate, you know, kind of right. just being able to have a community around that you can bounce ideas off, that you can speak to. And again, you're talking about confidence. You're sitting in a corner by yourself coaching a team and you know you don't know if you're making no, you don't know, you and, don't know and no one's reinforcing on. you yeah. or challenging yeah, you or, yeah, yeah. so really it's about trying to get like really screaming for that kind of almost continuous 
engagement, in, in, in service, as I call it. Oh, yeah. It's in service and support. Mike Darcy was another person who was there today. Again, at first, at first, she was she's the first woman to be involved with a senior men's coaching strategy in our coaching team in GAA. So she's working with the Wexford Hurlers, and it's funny herself, Lisa Fallon, um, um, Tanya Rosser. Uh, everybody said the same thing. Some man gave me a chance and some man yeah. was my ally and mm. some man helped me. Mm. And I, I might have been able to do the job. First of all, I needed somebody to give me the mm. chance. Mm. And secondly, I needed somebody to be there to help me whenever things were tough or to mm. let me miss. Lisa Fallon was very interesting. She said, John Caulfield in Cork, he, she said, he let me make mistakes. He let me yeah. do all this mm. stuff behind the scenes. It's only this year they've said she's the first team coach. Up until this, she's been doing other stuff. They haven't made much of it. She said, he's let me make my mistakes. Let me learn. Let me under the radar let me do all of that and build build up my confidence yeah. so it's a similar thing you're hearing yeah. and probably I'm sure a similar thing have you just to clarify have you had specific coaching courses for women um we no not specific our level one level two level three introductory are all just yeah, men mixed, and women mixed, yeah. all mixed yeah but the Larissa Biesenthal thing that we've had has all been women women right but last year when she came we did it we opened it to men as well Right. And actually, it was brilliant. Yeah, because they're so important and yeah. like that. And I know I spoke about that today. You know, at the um, International Olympic Committee, women in women in leadership federa- uh, thing seminar thingy, um, we had to say we're going to go out and get a spon- sponsor and a mentor. And it was funny. I was thinking back, you know, and my dad fell sick afterwards, and I was saying, God, you know, he was my mentor and sponsor before I had anyone. Yeah, you know, and I'm one of four daughters, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's so important to have that mentor and a sponsor going yeah. forward. And very often we don't yeah. even know that's what to call them, but they're there. They're your ally. Yeah. They're somebody yeah. that gets you yeah. through it, isn't it? Yeah. And for some reason, and it cropped up again and again today, that seems to be more important for women that they have that ally because maybe they're breaking down barriers at other levels, but that thing of having somebody to help you to help you build your confidence to help you when things go wrong um, we're going to play now um, some audio we have of um, Emma Hayes from today the Chelsea manager just um, because I asked her the very same question that I asked you which was why do we not see more women in coaching Emma Hayes the first question to ask you is why do we see so few women in coaching not just in professional football but generally do well, it's a great question because I don't think it's there's a single answer for it. I mean, it's the first part. I think there's a, a knock-on effect that will take some time to change. And the first one being, I'll start at the top. You know, there, there haven't necessarily been as many opportunities for women uh, coaching elite uh, players in full-time capacities. So. As that changes, so will aspirations. Aspirations then create role models and people that go into that position. Role models then create uh, greater participation and more women staying in the sport. With more women staying in the sport and having positive experiences in sport, are likely to give back or stay in the sport. So it's, it's a complete knock-on effect that I think uh, we're still having to uh, remedy and correct. I also think we have to cater for changing um, situations of, of different women. Not every, well, not all of them want to go into coaching. And I yeah. know that from my players. But even when they do, they may be going to be parents. And it's not conducive to suiting times that they may have with their children. So it might have to be... And I've often said this, do we have to consider uh, support for women with children that want to be in a coaching capacity? Because uh, it gets ignored, that reality, but with the dominant childbearers and likely to spend the majority of our time with our children, going to clubs, etc. So I think we have to create a support mechanism or a conversation in around it so that we keep... I've, I've had this conversation with Kelly Smith, I've had it with Rachel Yankee, they want to stay in the sport, but they don't want to miss out on their children. They don't know if they can do both. So I think with more former players who've had children, I think that will become um, a bigger topic. So, because I often think, is motherhood, is mother, is, is it difficult to marry motherhood and coaching at the top level? And is that an impediment? Yeah, well, I, I delayed it because I thought, how can I be successful and be a mother? 
And then as I moved further through my 30s, I thought, I'm just going to feel completely unfulfilled in life unless I do it. That was, was important. But I was so scared and worried that I um, wouldn't be able to cope with both. And having done both, I know how hard it is. And were you worried that if I take the time out to have a child, uh, that would be held against me? Because that's yeah. something that women worry about in all kinds of jobs. Yeah, I all think kinds so. I mean, I only took eight weeks off and uh, I found that difficult. To not have the time with my youngster, um, but I also know it's really difficult to dip back in as a manager six months into the season, and and that's not because of the pressure from my club. That's me, yeah. and that's me being a woman being hard on myself. So yeah, I think that's that's really really tough, and I think we have to promote we have to promote women to become mothers, whether they're players, whether they're coaches, and then importantly, we have to promote. Uh, more, t- more off time. Yeah, find a way to support them. Yeah, yeah. find a way. Yeah. Uh, going back part time, like it's difficult because it's a hard job to do part time at my level. But I've, I have had the support with my staff and um, to be able to take recovery at the right times. But it's an intense business, <laughs> so it makes it difficult. And, and I, I realised having gone through it, especially at my level how much more we need to do to support someone in the position. And when you started in the Super League, you were the first female coach in the Women's Super League, and now there's about six or seven, I think. So why do you think that growth has occurred? What have you seen that has made that growth occur? Well, let's start with the fact that I've been successful. And I say that because that may have encouraged some others to say, you know, um, I want to do it. But also, it said to boards, women can win. And, 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 and I, I felt like that as I, you know, look, I'm just, I'm just a competitor, male or female, it doesn't really matter, I'm a competitor. But for me to see the scores of women come through is as pleasing for me as my own personal successes because that's the true measure of the impact I can have on, mm. on our sport. So do you think that other boards saw you having success and weren't afraid to take? I don't think it would have done any harm. Yeah. Um, I, I think it would have helped to see, you know, how a female is managing a team at the top level and prospering and 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 provided, you know, similar situations to others. And I think when I first started and I can think of a few females that were applying for jobs very early on and weren't getting anywhere near it. So that's why I say perhaps it has had an impact, as well as sort of um, the growing movement of the game. Um, broadcasting, you know, the need to push more women into situations. I think it it happened with osmosis, it happened with time, it happened yeah. with, you know, it's it's happened incrementally. Uh, um, uh, you once, uh, I, I heard you say once that you wanted to be a spy when you were younger. Um, you've got a degree, I think, uh, your master's in intelligence mm. and international affairs. And I wondered, is that an addition to you? Has that helped you as a coach? Yeah, I, I, um, without it, I've looked... Um, you know, I'm a very good strategist and plotting a way to win the war, knowing <laughs> that you're going to lose battles along the way, I think has been uh, helpful. You know, I'm very resilient and determined. And that, along with the ability, I think, to um, understand people, I'm more a sociologist than a strategist, I think it's my big big background, the interactions between people. Um, there is no question my academic love and passion has had a huge influence on my career because it's made me, I think if anything, I'm just sort of, you know, multi-dimensional. I'm, I'm interested in other things. I think I bring other things to my sport. You're a politics nerd. <laughs> I'm a politics nerd. Yeah, but you know, I think my players will say, you know, I, I spoke to one of my players this morning, Millie Bright, and I said to Millie, Millie, why aren't more women coaching? And she went, well, you're unique, Em. They're not like you. And I said, why? What do you mean by that? She's like, well, you're resilient. You're made of the tough stuff. Women get too emotional. I said, is that a negative thing? And why do you view that as a negative thing? I would tell you emotionally if I'm upset or I'm not unhappy with something. I said, you haven't had a female coach, really, have you, until you came to the senior level? Yeah. And you see me as that. And yet, at the same time, you see that as a, as a weakness. She's, she's like, well, I haven't really thought about it. And I said, well, I think we need to do more to celebrate the qualities that women have and recognise them as uh, 
quality attributes to enhance a player's experience instead of it being about constant comparisons to the men's game or constant, you know, coaches coming from the men's game as a, you know, dropout or a fallout. Yeah. And and perhaps we need to talk about the wonderful things women provide as coaches and that, that in fact that those strengths are equally if not more important. Yeah. And finally, Arsenal are, are killing it over there and we have two wonderful Irish players, international players playing there. How do you rate them? Uh, Arsenal have had a great season. I think they've struggled of late with injuries, but they, they just had a really fast start and they built on that and got a lead in the league. And um, I think it'd be a tight race between them and Man City. It's for Katie McKay, developed into a you know, top player, top personality. And I think she's had a a very good year for Arsenal and Louise Quinn, a hard worker, you know, uh, does her best for the team, real spirited player. And, and we have high hopes for Leanne Kernan as well, who was with West yeah, Ham. Yeah, she, she too has had, I mean, she had her troubles of injury in the first part of the season, but she's got wonderful talent. She certainly is very resilient and determined. She's an extraordinary woman. She um, she actually was gone down the road of, you know, working in intelligence. And she, she says, um, I, I heard an interview with her before, and she said that um, she was at a thing and she, and she was listening to a guy talking about how he was going to kill someone. And she was like... I don't think I can kill somebody. I think I, mean, I would think I better even go do some other job. But she's amazing. Kill she, them in another way on the, on the, on the pitch. Yeah. And, and she has um, she has managed to get. Um, she got uh, when she went to Chelsea. The women weren't allowed into one of the buildings. They weren't allowed into them. Literally weren't allowed over in what was called the men's building. She got that changed. She got ladies taken out of the women's name, and she got the, the phrase first team" removed as well. And if anybody uses those phrases, they get fined in the club because there are two teams, two senior teams there and her, her thing is we're equal yeah. um, and it's really interesting to see what she, what she has done there and what's happened in Man City the same thing what's really extraordinary there Suzanne actually when you listen to it is, is this is a woman talking about coaching in women's sport you know the struggle yeah. to get a senior job at the top level of women's sport isn't that amazing it is it is you know I, I know before coming on we, we'd spoken a little bit about um what happened in the States with Title Nine, and maybe did it have the reverse effect on, or, or what was the effect on, effectively, a, a quality law that comes in in 72? 1972, Title Nine came yeah. into American collegiate sport. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so basically, yeah. so you had up to that point, 90% of head coaches of women's sports across, I think, 24 sports That's right. uh, were female, and then now it's about 40%. And that not that extraordinary? Yeah. Yeah. So they brought in legislation to make to give more opportunities to women and girls to play and coach and do everything in sport. Yeah. And now it turns out that there's 50% less women coaching in US yeah. collegiate sport. Yeah. And why do they think that is, Suzanne? For all the same reasons that I think everyone is going to. So they actually had a really nice phrase when, when, I, when I was reading about it. It was kind of a mosaic of complex kind of issues or complex kind of deterrence. Yeah, it's so not just one it's thing. It's just one, you know, and mm -hmm. some of it was maybe you know, strain on the job. It was, you know, actually being a, you know, a mother. Uh, yeah, and what motherhood. We've, motherhood. We've heard Emma talk about it. Networking yeah. was there. Levels of fear. There was levels of, of some, some of them were talking about discrimination. Um, lack of mentors. Yeah. You know, like, all, I mean, those it, all these kind of things mm -hmm. that I don't think is unique to any one sport or, yeah. or, or... It is really interesting, though, because everyone presumed that Title IX was going to create all these opportunities, and, and I've but read some stuff on you know, it. It did initially. It did. You know, and, and the thing about it is, we go back to, you know, which, which I, I keep going back to it, is, but did they apply? You know, like, are they applying? So, I mean, it was now, obviously, men now were looking at jobs where they could coach women's teams, so you saw... A, proliferation of, of varsity sports then where oh we can make all of these sports now varsity sports yeah we can pay the coach we have to pay the coaches and, that, the and that's one or, of the things they know. reckon they reckon that male coaches in the American collegiate system saw that there was money to be made in coaching women's yeah. teams so they started applying for women's jobs yeah. the interesting thing is they started getting them yeah um, but you do raise a really interesting question which 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 is raised regularly um, which is are women brave enough and and why aren't women taking up you know going for these roles and do either of you have a strong feeling on that well i suppose going and i know i keep going back to my own role but i suppose that's relevant to me course, going back yeah. to this time last year when i was going for the ceo role of rowing ireland there were so many i had so many wobbles yeah i can't do it I'm, I'm just so lucky. My husband was incredible, I have to say. Right. So many wobbles. Even, even down to the night of the interview, I was, um, 
I, I reckoned that the interview panel would say in a certain hotel in Cork. So I booked into the other one and I walked in and there they were having a pre-interview <laughs> meeting. Oh, and I completely lost the plot. Oh, no. And we talk about women <laughs> waiting for the right moment. I mean, my dad had just died, who was my soulmate, my mentor, my sponsor, everything. And it just wasn't the right time. Right. But... And I've spoken to the, and I, I've referenced Gabriella Muller quite a lot, and and in the the stuff that I've spoken of in the women in leadership thing, because yeah. she was she was definitely instrumental. She's she was, a Mexican woman who who and was actually in Ireland last year and gave a talk to women involved in Olympic sports about leadership, about how to make yourself a leader, how to think like a leader, how to act like a leader. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. And moment. I mean that's so relevant to coaching because the coach yeah, is a leader. Is. Coaching is leadership, it. so it's very similar. Um, but, um, but you know, Michelle, can I come back to that question, which is to you is why did you make that leap to be CEO of a big and very and a very onerous job now? What what was it convinced you to go for this? Well, I always wanted to do it. I always thought, you know, if, when my boss went and he, you know, I wasn't pushing him out or anything. He was a great boss. I was yeah. very sad to see him go. But I always thought I'd love that job. I could yeah. do that job, and you know you were co- you were you were you were working on a development role, weren't you? And I was in a development yeah, role, exactly, but right. you know I had all the skills. I'd been in Europe for eight years. I'd worked at high high profile management jobs, you know, communications. Um, I worked on the launch of the Euro, so I had a lot to bring to rowing, and rowing was my passion. Right. And I just thought. I'd love that job but someday, you, be, you know, <laughs> someday, yeah, five someday. years, you know, because Emma Hayes was saying that today, she was saying you've got to kick the door down and you have to be brave enough to kick the door down and you may have to be more resilient than men, you may have to get a, th- a thicker skin, you may have to be less of a perfectionist, but why not go for it? And this is your, I think this is something that you seem to be getting at as well, Suzanne, is why are they not yeah. applying for yeah. it? Yeah. And what can yeah. we do to help them, I suppose? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I, I remember, because uh, up until last year, so I, I was assistant coach for the under-18 women. In Living No, in, oh, in, uh, in the international team. Oh, in the so international team. So we played team. in right. Italy last, um, last August, and it was the first time we've ever had a team playing Division A Which was a Europe, huge which was thing a huge, for Irish so, yeah. girls basketball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You were the assistant so coach. I was the assistant then. coach. Um, but I remember when, when that was all happening, I did. somebody did ask me to be head coach, and I said no. And I said no because I'd never done it before. And while I don't doubt myself as a coach, the stakes are higher, you know. It's international. It's like, you know, and I, I, I had no visibility. I no, I never participated in an international program before. Right. So I said no. And I went in as an assistant coach, and, and um, it was an all-female uh, management team, except for the head coach, who's Pat O'Neill. Pat from, O'Neill. From, yeah. yeah. And Pat was great, though, you know, really gave a lot of leeway for me to, to work with the girls and, and very much had a lot of input into what we did, which was brilliant. Um, and now I sit here and say, I'll never be assistant again. Do you? you know, I do, I do, because now I suppose brilliant? that, yeah. and it is, and, and from someone who I've played the game, and, and because you've played, and because you've, you've done well playing it, it doesn't mean you're going to be a great coach. And, and no, and people should by, never make that mistake. No, absolutely, you know, like, and, and should it, never it, believe that players want to be coaches. Yeah, They're two completely different things. Or believe that you need to be a player yes. to be a coach. Yeah, you know, there's a whole load of stuff There's a whole lot of other skill sets you have to bring to coaching. I mean, technical part of it, but you can learn that one. The other side is more, it's so important. It's just that people side of you and your, ability to lead, your ability to communicate, all these things So tell us, matter. this is fascinating, why are you saying now, I will never be an assistant coach now, I am ready to be a senior coach, a I'm ready coach. to be a head coach because I suppose now I've, I've seen, like you, you've walked in the shoes, you've seen the environment, you've seen what goes on, you've contributed to it, mm. um, you've, you know, you've worked on the program for two years, you've, you've, you've just gone through all this stuff, which you, I suppose for me I was looking going, I wouldn't even know how to start organising this. But then you kind of learn, well, I, I work in a position where, you know, my, my day job is where I work for 3 Ireland and I work right. in change management right. and business <laughs> transformation and all that kind of good stuff. Like so, And you surround yourself with good people and it's the obvious lessons, you know. So all those professional things that you do, sport is, is the very, very same. And I know now that exactly how I would approach, exactly the type of people you have around you, you know, and, and just to create that kind of environment 
I have no hesitation now that I've, you know, to go That's and brilliant. be a head coach that or to great. apply to be a head coach yeah, yeah, yeah. of an international yeah, team. Yeah. I've none at all. And obviously, you're still learning, and I'm still learning as a coach, and, and, and that will continue. And for, and, for and Emma Hayes, like, you know. uh, Emma Hayes was yeah. fantastic today, and and indeed, Jason Neville saying we're always learning. I'm still learning, okay. learning all Absolutely. the time. Speaking, but that yeah. is brilliant to hear, and you had to see it to be it, if you like, and and people need to see the role models to be it as well, don't it, they? Yeah, it's I did. I mean, I and I suppose like I do know people who talk about like you have to fake it to make it, and you absolutely have. I mean, that's, could I have, I probably could have, you know, but, but the other things that are coming out were important that I, I realised maybe my coaching network wasn't strong or, or the people yeah. that I could rely on. So even if yeah. I did take it, you know, that any, any, maybe, maybe it's, it's a male thing, maybe it's not a male thing, maybe somebody else goes, I'll take the job and then calls five people and says, what do I do now? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I just wasn't that person. And we, like, and, you know, and, and, I'm not built that way. I kind of well, want to, think, to know. Well, we know, before, we know from all yeah. the studies that women actually aren't built like that way. Yeah. And it's a really interesting point to make because I heard Emma Hayes ask before about going for a job in the men's game. And um, she said, Joey Barton was talking to her one day and said, you should be working in the men's game. Why aren't you working in the men's game? And lots of people in England think she could be the first woman to manage a, a men's professional team in, in football. But interesting at the time, she said, do you know what? I'm not interested at the moment first of all I have enough on my plate I have a small child I have a lot of things on but she, and I thought this is really interesting what you're saying yeah. she said I know every female scout in the world I know every female agent in the world she said I would have to go and get all of that information and all of that experience again on the men's side of the game yeah. then I have to have a board that I know I can trust I have to have uh, you know head of the the club I have to know they're going to support me, absolutely back me to the hilt. She yeah. said, so it's a completely different dynamic in the men's game. Just because you can do it in one doesn't mean you can do it in the other. And it was really interesting to me was exactly what you were saying. She wanted to have all those ducks in order before she felt she was ready to do it, even in, in the women's game, yeah. never mind in the men's game, which is completely different. So we shouldn't, we sh it's something you have to expect within women and, and maybe help them more with. Yeah, yeah, but I think women need to realise it's okay if some of those ducks aren't lined well, up. Well, that's the that's yeah. the thing. No, that absolutely. is the, that's yeah. one of our yeah. biggest problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, last you do year, have to fake it to make it sometimes. You do. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to go down in history. Yeah, because she she said this phrase today, and Emma Hayes jumped on it and loved it and said, yeah. "Well, that's a great phrase." <laughs> and that came out that that wasn't me. That came out of our first women coaching forum that those women were saying we can't make it and that that, yeah. that was the phrase that came out of us but the other thing was uh, last year I spoke at the International um, Boxing Association women they had a gender forum oh, right. um, and, and they have a long way to come I mean the men yeah. sat at one side of the room and the women in the other I couldn't believe it I had come from a world rowing event where we were all, all mixing you know all, all mixing, mixing like, yeah. and yeah. gosh yeah. people think rowing same. is blazers you yeah. know <laughs> um, and, and I spoke about that last year going for the position and you know, emotionally not being ready because you know, uh, you know, I was still grieving and all of that. I just felt it wasn't right, but I went for it, and you yeah. know, here you are. Here sometimes it's a leap of faith. It is yeah. a leap of faith. Yeah. 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 yeah, and sometimes we have to have a leap of confidence as well. It'll be really interesting to see what comes out of it for you in basketball. You know how it will develop in terms of you developing structures to help. Yeah, your coaches. no, it, it's important, and it's something that you know we want to get right. You know, so. Um, have all the outputs now and, and just kind of collating them so we can go back to, to, to Bernard and to the board and kind of present it and see then where the next initiatives come from but you know like with so much stuff around timing the timing seems to be right, right. the environment just seems to be ready I mean it seems to be just a lot of activity there seems to be a lot of communication a lot of noise a lot of conversation about this so you get more women coaching which is brilliant uh, which is brilliant strike I mean, like, while the iron is hot absolutely like so, um, I was curious actually um, the WNBA and the NBA there, there is has anybody broken into uh, there are women coaches in the WNBA and actually they seem there to are women coaches in the WNBA absolutely yeah yeah and then in the NBA obviously you know and you know you kind of feel feel sorry but Becky Hammond Becky is Hammond you know fantastic career fantastic uh, athlete and now is the the, the first full-time assistant coach assistant at coach. the uh, San Antonio Spurs in the NBA and um, I think touted now that she is the has or will be the first to interview for head okay. coach and that's been the big debate in America is, is first of all she has to get an interview but actually very prominent um, male players in America have come out and said this woman is you know she's yeah, a brilliant uh, coach uh, as, she's brilliant yeah, with us yeah. haven't they they have I know absolutely absolutely yeah. and it's just you know it comes back to it's just it comes back to you know we talked about title nine and about all of a sudden male coaches see two avenues 
But there's never been two avenues for women, co- you know, there's never... It's hard enough for them to have an avenue to have avenue one, sport. like, you know, yeah. let alone two, like, you know, yeah. so for me, it's, it's you know, it, th- that was obviously a massive piece of legislation. I mean, it's a massive thing to happen. Yeah. The outcomes then become more in the hands of people who, who are living in generations and whatever else. I think women have to stand up now and, and you know, if, if you want the jobs, if you want the positions, if you want the coaches, if you have young girls, if you they need role models, mentors, if they need to see the future, you know, then you have to be, the, you know, you have to kind of be the visible person within their lives too. So, you know, I would encourage more than anything else women just to get up there and get out and take the leap of faith or, you know, if it is your passion, if it is something that you want to do, Go out and do it, you know, and, and and it doesn't have to be perfect. No, that's the big perfect, thing, I think. You know? don't, we don't have to be perfect, have to be perfect all the perfect time. Start, well, know? Michelle, you've done it at an administrative level and it was a big leap of faith. You had a difficult time in your life, obviously. Yeah. But it's well, it's been yeah. worth it by the sounds of things. You, you love it. It has. I have some rocky days, yeah. some very rocky don't days. We all? <laughs> but um, but I, have, I have some great mentors and, and who really, really support me that I can pick up the phone and I've picked up a few more on the way apart from the, the first and, and look my, I have great support at home yeah. Um, yeah. and I have great my kids are great support I mean I have four under 16 you know and I think it's so important for them to see that it's okay for me to go out and I'm in Cork tomorrow I'm back on t- Thursday I'm back in Cork on Friday so it's important for them to know when you know I have one girl and three boys it's important yeah. for them to know that this is okay so that when they have whatever partners whatever that they can support yeah. them and say this, yeah. this is yeah. natural it's not, this it's is the normal. way forward yeah. Yeah. You know? it's, not, it's yeah. not only okay it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah. that you're out there leading your sport or whatever whether it's as a coach or as or, or as, a, as an administrator or a leader in the in the organisation um, look thanks so much for coming in to both of you sure. um, if uh, if anybody's interested in those Liberty Insurance go, go, go on to their um, social sites and you'll find the statistics that have come out about coaching but really there's nothing there that we didn't know three quarters of women's club teams they found were coached by men and that's that's at that level so you can imagine how little it happens then the higher up you go so uh, let's let's see can we change it um, if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about it um, I follow there's a couple that I follow on, on Twitter there's a female coaching um, network in England it's called it's on Twitter it's at female CN um, there's another one at bubble coaching um, I think that one might be an American one um, and also I think there's starting point for everybody in terms of coaching as well is your own organisation, your own sports, which is what you've both been talking about. So whatever your sport is, there is a pathway to become a coach. You just have to find out what it is, find yourself a great mentor, um, you know, do your your coaching badges, get your skills, but be confident and take that big leap of faith. So until the next time, uh, you can remember, you can get all of our other podcasts on the podcast link in Off the Ball. If you go into Off the Ball and scroll down on their podcast, link you'll find the off the bench link there and all our previous podcasts are there so uh, we hope you enjoyed this one on coaching it's something we will come back to again and again i know because we need more women in coaching it is so important Uh, until the next time everyone thanks a lot thanks for listening